This message was brought to you by Christian Service. Christian service. <laughs> uh, if you didn't pick up on the sleigh bells, uh, well, Merry Christmas to you, to y'all. We recognize that uh, this podcast is being released the day after Christmas, and we are so excited for that. <laughs> um, so, welcome to the Christmas edition of the Fancy Files podcast we are basically going to continue the study that we were doing the last time so if you were hoping for a special christmas christmas podcast message we would ask you just to refer to the one we did last year that's it that's all i gotta say podcast over uh i am your host greg the scott and i have with me today an excellent and i mean fantastic beautiful looking huge I wouldn't say anyone is huge, but you're pretty good. Uh, Group of uh, co-hosts with me on my uh, panel for the Fancy Files. First, I have with me to my right and your right, Mr. Marvelous Mick. Howdy doody. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Opened the presents yesterday, and uh, I got exactly nothing that I wanted. And you're saying this... Prophetically. Prophetically, because... We did not record this today. No, but I feel like it will be appropriate. It's been that way for many years. People just surprise me with things I didn't ask for, and I I love it. I really hope that on Christmas you get everything you want, and that the next time we do a podcast, you're going to have to recant. Oh, yes, I'll have to make a public declaration that what I said was in poor taste. And basically, at the rate we're recording podcasts, by the time you give that poor taste message, it might be June. Oh, Good. no, definitely. It'll probably be, like, Halloween. Next year. Yeah, next Halloween. Halloween 2022. <laughs> so, for those of you listening, yes, we also have the Ezra Soros Rex. Rexy, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Really? I am. Good. How are you doing? Thank you for asking. Uh, Pretty good. Pretty great. Yeah. That's lame. What? Need a better answer. No, I think I'm fabulous. And it's better. Yes, and for everyone else hearing, we have the return because she was missing the second part of the Robillard Tag Team Championship, undisputed, and I think it's going to be that way for quite a while. We got Robin. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Would you like to say anything else to the audience? I hope you're having a fantastic morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening. Depending on when you're listening Depending to this. Depending on when That's you're listening. what I said. <laughs> I didn't say you didn't say that. I'm just adding to it. Emphasis. It's fair. Repetition equal to emphasis. Now tell us about the coffee you're drinking. <laughs> 
I said tell us. delicious. Yeah. Did you make it? I did make it. Yeah. You had some. Oh, right. Did you like it? Yeah, there's some star... You know what? I'm going to tell the audience this, because I'm sure everyone wants to hear this. I am not a Starbucks fan. Okay, I feel that there is no need to spend a lot of money for coffee. coffee... Hashtag not sponsored by Starbucks. Yet. But could be. <laughs> so, don't derail my train of thought. <laughs> Me, it's simple. Coffee, cream, sugar, I'm happy. I go to Starbucks, and I see all this stuff added to it, and it's like, why? Why spend all that money? Uh, but then Robin busted out this, what, was it a creamer? Yeah. It it's was a coffee enhancer. Well, it enhanced <laughs> everything. Like, that was pretty good. Okay, so Starbucks, not bad. I'm still not going there, but I'll maybe go to the grocery store and pick that up once in a while. That was amazing. Yeah, yes. that's it. There it is. Well, I think we're we're good for a Christmas podcast. What do you guys think? Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry crisis. Merry Chrysler. What did you say? (laughs) Merry crisis. Merry crisis. Crisis? Yeah. It's like a vine from like 2015. I mean, it's already outdated now in like fall of 2021. Imagine (laughs) by the time this comes out, you know. Winter 2021, people. Winter. What? What? What are you talking about, Greg? That's what a lot of people say. Um, oh, I did it. I shouldn't have said, um, put it <laughs> out. That's it. Start over. No. So we're actually going to have a podcast. Probably going to go a lot longer than I think it should, but that's okay. Cause all our faithful listeners just love listening to us ramble on. Uh, <laughs> we started a series. I think this would be the third podcast on it. Uh, we are looking at Colossians chapter 3. And the point of this is we really want to help Christians to know who they are in Christ. And we know that we do struggle with that. We struggle with our identity, uh, actually knowing who we are. We also struggle with our position in Christ. You can move your Bible. That's okay. There's also a cat in the room. This is this is getting wild. No one has any comments about the cat. That's I like, love my cat. Oh, it's your cat. It's my cat. Okay. What's the cat's name? Seraphim. Oh, it's not Jingles? Or Sprinkles? You can call it Sprinkles. I call her Puddles. Jingles. So we got like four names for the cat. So we're talking about identity. We're talking about our position in Christ. We want to get into that a bit more. I'm going to ask Mick... Uh, to read from Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 1, and you know, you can read 1 through 7. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Put to that death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. Amen. Thank you very much. You're very good at what you do. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Did you feel good reading it? It's the word of God. How can I not? Excellent. Everyone felt good about that? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah? Okay, good. So the last time what we did this, we were we looked at and we talked about our identity, Christians struggling with our identity, uh, and the importance of why and also why it's important to know who we are in Christ. And people may ask, well, what what does that matter? Well, one, it matters very much so to God because if it doesn't matter, like we will struggle in trying to know who we are. We're going to, we have to remember this. We have a spiritual enemy. There, Maybe we've, in the West, we can get away from this, the supernatural element of uh, the reality that there is, there is a, a spiritual world. And because that there has been in some circles, abuses regarding like spiritual elements, people will shy away from talking about, uh, you know, like demonic forces or, or Satan. Like it's like, oh, Satan, like that's kind of silly. It's not silly. This is what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that we have uh, and, and like Satan walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Okay, look at Jesus. The first text. The first test that Jesus went through um, was he f- went, he fought, or the, I should say he fought, but the devil came and attacked him, okay, and tempted him. And, and, and what, what do you see in those attacks? He goes in and he takes the word of God and he tries to twist it. But what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus knew the scriptures. Jesus knew who he was. Like not only did he not know Satan, I mean, but Jesus knew who he himself was, the Son of God. He understood that. He understood that completely, and he was able to defeat the enemy, defeat the devil. And so, we ourselves have to look at what, like in ourselves, recognize that. Look, if if Satan is going and attacking Jesus in that capacity, he's going to do the same to us. He's going to come and attack and fight and and bring deception and deception is actually one of his biggest weapons satan will twist the bible and he will really confuse a lot of christians whether it's someone that comes and knocks at your door with literature that's that's not that's twisting the word of god or you yourself listen to somebody that is teaching things in error or you end up believing something that's wrong or you just accept something that's wrong. So if we don't know what the Bible says on who we are, then it's going to be very easy to, to fall and to stumble and to believe lies. And then if you start believing lies, then you just open yourself up to completely shipwreck your life. You may think, well, that doesn't matter. Come on, Greg. No, it does matter. It's very serious. This is why so much teaching is given over to understand our position in Christ. And maybe some people might get uncomfortable with that. Well, we're just you're just talking about yourself. You're not talking, you're not focusing on, on the Lord. No, 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 no. This is what the word of God clearly teaches about who we are. This is what God says about us. We need to stop believing lies on what we think about us, on what other people tell us, uh, who we are. You know, people are going to come and people are people can be mean. People can be cruel. People will speak 
can speak terrible things over your lives. And you, and you know, like you can have a friend and you know, we're all guilty of this. I Someone, can have a friend. Yes, you can have a friend. They can do so many kind things for you. They could speak life over you all the time out of 50 different things. Like they could speak 50 sentences over you. And if out of those 50, one is negative, you are going to hold on to that one more than, than the 49 other positive things. And you'll let that weigh you down. In families, uh, parents that, that will say things over their kids, you're worthless. You know, you're going to become nothing. And there's been situations where parents have done that to their kids. And those kids, they believe it. They'll hold on to that. Well, look at what that does to a person. That can lead them down a road of destruction. They, they truly believe they're worthless. So it's so important for us to see, well, what does God say about us? What does God say about who we are? Because in doing that, I mean, he's teaching us about who Christ is. And because the Bible talks about us being in Christ, all those things that he talks about, uh, Jesus and the, vic the victory that he's won, uh, Christ, wh what he's doing right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, that, because we're in Christ, that actually applies to us. I feel like when... You know, we become Christians. Um, you start following God. Everything is really great because it sort of feels like a honeymoon stage a little because you're like still learning about God. You're learning about your new life, your new self. Um, and that even applies to like when we have these really big mountaintop um, moments with God and maybe even periods that we kind of forget that there's something happening once we get down from the mountain, which is temptation, which is all the stuff that Satan tries to pull us into. And we just have to remember that, like, we do have purpose with the Lord and, you know like he's just always gonna lose and as long as we know our like the word of god and what the bible says like it just enables us to like go forward you know i don't know if that makes sense does that make sense a little bit do you think it makes sense i think so everyone who's listening if you think it makes <laughs> sense you just you write in robin that made sense thank you and uh, leave a like, maybe subscribe. No. Yes, please subscribe. Please. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. I think some of the biggest problems that we have uh, in the church and in our, our walks as, as Christians, a large portion of them come from not understanding who we are. Um, that can go from the one extreme where you've got some teachers that say i haven't sinned since i was saved god made me holy when i got saved i never sin which of course is heresy uh, but on the other end of the spectrum you also have those people that sit there defeated all the time right. i'm a worm i can never overcome my sin 
I, I'm just waiting until Christ comes back before I serve him because I'm useless. I'm stuck in my sin. I have no victory. And I won't go so far as to say that that is heresy in itself because it is recognizing the sin nature. Uh, but it is completely forgetting the fact that we have been redeemed. And as Paul says, uh, you know, as far as sin goes, grace goes even further. Not that we should use that as an excuse to sin, but it is, it is a reason to understand that, yes, as, as Christians, we're still human, and we stumble, and we fall into sin, and we, we mess up. But that doesn't excuse us from serving God. God doesn't discount us from serving God. Look through the Old Testament. You've got cowards. You've got murderers. You've, you've got... People that stumble in sexual immorality that are still serving God. You've got people with anger issues. Like, all throughout the Old Testament, we see faulty people serving God. Why? Because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he has called. Amen. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah Ezra, uh, there was something you said. There's a few things that you said that I, I want to like pick up on. One, the whole idea that, like, oh, I'm I'm this horrible sinner, on and on and on. Now, there is some truth of, like, as Christians, we need to constantly recognize our situation. Because, yes, we can and we will sin. That's not an excuse to do it, but we will fail. And that in doing that, we need to recognize that we sin and repent of it constantly. Mm. You know, walking in the light and part of rock, walking in the light in, in, in John talks about uh, is that constant repentance, that constant confessing our sins. But then you can go the opposite way, like where it's like you don't even recognize who you are in Jesus, that you've been purchased by Jesus. In this passage, we talk, it says, if you've been risen in Christ, seek those things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's our position. We're risen with Christ. In, in Romans 6, it talks about that, that you know, those of you who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death, that we're baptized into his burial and in his resurrection, that we should walk in the newness of life. Yep. Now, people will read that passage and think it's talking about water baptism. And actually, it's not specifically saying that when you're baptized in water, then you're baptized into Jesus. Actually, that takes place in salvation. Water baptism represents that. Yeah. But the reality is when you become a born-again Christian, that God, like, you have been baptized into Christ. You are you become one with Him, and, and he, he, you're in Him, He's in you positionally. And His death, His burial, and His resurrection, that which He accomplished— uh, and the victory that he's bought now is ours. We're victorious. That's our position. So if we're constantly, oh, I'm a sinner and I'm never going to get victory, then you're actually, you may think it sounds holy. You may think that sounds good, but you're accepting the fact that God will never give you victory when he clearly says, sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under law. You're under grace. That's in Romans, Romans 6. Did he lie? See, this is the problem is that oftentimes our experiences and feelings is what we base our life on. We need to stop doing that. Well, it's because at the end of the day, right, there's so many opportunities for us to have an incomplete gospel, an incomplete view of salvation, where we 
will take on to one thing because perhaps our church preaches us, preaches it more or we've had a specific experience like you're saying with it and on the other hand you know what god is actually calling us to do is to hold on to the fullness of the gospel knowing that yes we are sinners that we uh were dead in our sins and that we needed a savior and we needed a lord ultimately right we it, we're being saved for a purpose and that purpose is christ himself and then on the other side, we have been purchased. Yeah. We are chosen by God, and he takes us, and he will never lose us. And those two things need to go hand in hand. If not, we do not have a complete gospel. And if you have an incomplete gospel, how can you have a complete walk in Christ? It just doesn't add up. Right. Now, I want to ask a question to the group here. And... I might have asked this before, so those of you listening, it's like, oh, you asked this before. Forgive me. Uh, there's going to be times we're going to repeat stuff, but we believe it's important to repeat it. Because in the passage, it talks about, okay, you're risen with Christ. This is your position. This is your identity. Okay, you're victorious. And in the long run, you are going to receive a resurrected body. So... Part of this, we haven't we haven't received the full benefit of it yet. But positionally, like legally, we can say, in the courtrooms of God, if you want to use that term, we're risen in Christ. Not only that, we're seated at the right hand of God. So that means the work of redemption is, is completed. The work of redemption is completed. Your sins have been forgiven. And we need to stop, so one, holding on to the sins that we've committed in the past. Like, oh, I can't believe the things I've done. Yes, I understand that there's going to be that sense of remorse. that We've done things that have hurt God, but they have been forgiven. If you've brought them to Christ, they're under the blood, done. It's buried. It's, it, it, it's, it's finished. You don't need to... Hold on to, oh, I messed up 20 years ago and I still feel guilt over it. Walk in the freedom that you have in Jesus that that guilt is washed away. Accept that you are totally and completely forgiven. Accept it. Believe it. Second. Second thing. Christ completed the work of salvation. Meaning that you don't have to add to it. Stop, because Christians struggle with this. They're trying to if when they when they sin, they'll they'll do like kind of like what the Catholics do. You know, I have to do uh, penitence. Is that is that the correct word? Penance. 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 Thank you. Yeah, where they might okay, you you went and confessed to the priest, do this or or whatever. I don't know. I don't go. I'm not Catholic. You know, I don't know, the Hail Mary, this and that. Or, or you may feel, even in your own cells, that you have to do something to earn God's forgiveness. No, 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 no. That's been paid for. It's yours. Christ died for that. He completed the work of salvation. It is finished. He said it on the cross. It is finished. No more sacrifices need to be made. Done. He's, he's right now sitting. And Jesus is a high priest. It talks about that in Hebrews. Well, the high priest in the Old Testament time, when they were constantly doing the sacrifices, they never sat. Because there was 
constant sacrifices to be done. But Jesus is sitting right now, meaning the work is complete. Your work of salvation is complete. You don't need to add to it. You don't have to do anything to add to it. It's done. Rest in that freedom that you have. Hallelujah. Rejoice in it. Be excited. I'm free. I'm free from sin. I don't have to earn anything with God. No, because it's been paid for in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so like we don't, at the point of salvation, we can start serving him immediately because like our sin has been covered, we're completely forgiven, and we can immediately start walking in truth from that point. Amen. Yeah, and going along with what you were saying before about Christians feeling like they need to do some kind of penance, um, I feel like that's just them working out their misunderstanding of the idea that we need to live worthy of the gospel. And that doesn't mean we have to make up for our, our sin, quote-unquote. We don't have to make up for our sin. It's already covered under grace. But some people will live with the conception that, no, 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 I've sinned. Now i got to make it up to God. I've got to make it up and and fix things myself so that I can live worthy of the gospel. It's like, right. Yes, but no. Like, our job, the only thing we can possibly do to quote-unquote fix things and make things right, you can't see my air quotes on the air, but they're But he's there. doing it. He's doing it, people. You know, like, the only thing we can do to fix things with God and make things right is to repent. We go to boldly into the throne room of grace and say, Lord, I, I sinned. This is what I have done. This is when I did it. And this is how long it was since I, I, it, I repented of it. And I need your grace to cover me. I need your Holy Spirit to fill me and give me the strength to serve you. And that's it. That's all we can do as Christians, as human beings, to fix things and make things right with God. Repent, confess your sins... And as Jesus said, go and sin no more. Yeah. And we, we will sin, but what is the attitude of our heart? Are we using this as fire insurance? The, oh, I sinned, I'm going to confess it so I don't get uh, sent to hell. Or are, are we, is our heart's desire to live a holy life? Be ye holy as God is holy. Is that our, our heart's desire? Are we trying, well, not trying, that's the wrong word to use, but... Is our heart's desire to live a holy life and being humans we stumble? Or is it just, well, you know, I'm going to live my life and uh, I'll, I'll say sorry because it's easier than asking permission. What is the, the, the heart's desire? That's really what's key, I think, anyway. I mean, that's the condition of the already not yet, where yeah. we are already justified. We can't forget, right, um, that it is God who calls us. It is God who justifies us. And ultimately, it is God that will just uh, that will glorify us uh, in heaven. And um, it's a great promise that we have because we see the fruit of it today that we can go to the throne room. You know, and it's part, it's the condition of where we're at in our walk of that justification is that access to the throne room, being right. able to go there. 
And in fact, it is essentially commanded to us to do so. Boldly approach a throne room. For we have, you know, we have a high priest that isn't foreign to how we feel and how we've experienced things. Yeah, good point, guys. So this is why it's so important we know these things. And how are we going to know these things? We get in the Bible. Again, it's a spiritual enemy. Satan, I'm not saying Satan personally is coming to you and attacking you, but he has his, you know, his demons, fallen angels. They're going to go about and they're going to come in and they're going to try to bring deception. And I, who we are in Christ, what Christ has done at the cross, those things are going to be attacked in our minds. And we're going to have serious doubts. And, and as we've done this series, and I think this is the third one, we've had uh, people share on this podcast. We had M- Melanie share how she struggled with identity. Uh, and I'm sure at times all of us here have struggled with identity, who we are, and not only just our identity, but what Christ did at Calvary. Because if we're not 100% sure about that, then the whole foundation we're built on is faulty, and then our obviously our identity is going to be faulty. Yeah, and I think it's important that we do not uh, give the devil attributes that he doesn't have. Uh, he is a created being. He does not have the omnipresence of God. He is not everywhere at once. There is, you know, demonic activity, but... Um, I think we need to not be quick to believe that it is Satan that is attacking us personally. Yeah, I would say definitely in most cases. Because I can't say with 100% certainty that Satan has not come and attacked so-and-so. I don't know. So, But yeah, thank you for, for bringing that out. Okay. Now, as we continue, it, I, I think we might have talked about the last time, but it talks about seeking things which are above. So this goes along again with one, you know, who we are in Christ, our positionally, legally, we are seated in heavenly places. And then the Bible is talking about Paul through the spirit is talking about how we need to seek those things which are above. So, you know, what does that look like in the life of a believer? What does that mean when he says seek those things which are above? Well, I think it comes down to a handful of things. I don't necessarily want to put a number on it because some of the things I list may contain separate things unto themselves or may even combine into each other. But I think it comes down to these few things, right? One is to be, as as Paul puts it, praying without ceasing. Our heart's desire, our heart's disposition should constantly be one of prayer and seeking the Lord on it, whatever it is, right? Look at, I think it was, wasn't Isaiah. Regardless, one of the prophets was sitting there in the king's presence, and the king asks him a question, what's troubling you? And his response was not one of flesh or an instant response. He took a time to reflect, to seek God, Lord, what should I say? The king just asked me a question. And we know that he didn't just leave the king's presence, go and pray for five hours and come back. But he prayed in that moment, Lord, give me the words to speak that I will speak your will, but I will also speak truly. And he gave an answer. 
That was Nehemiah, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. I was missing the name, and I, I knew it. I was thinking Isaiah, but no, that's the wrong one. There's Thank your tag you. team champions right there, people. That was a high five. Yeah, oh, like, that's what that was? Yeah, so Nehemiah, right? How, how was he able to just instantly come up with that answer for the king in the middle of the in the middle of the king's presence in a conversation yet still have time to pray and ask god the answer because his attitude was one of constant prayer he constantly i believe constantly sought the lord's guidance he had a lifestyle of prayer so that in that moment he could lord give me the words to speak and the lord would give him the words to speak because his his heart's desire was to seek the lord regularly and the second thing that that i i would say is to constantly be in the word of god how how do you find the lord's will you read the bible because the bible is the written word of god given to us that we would know what he has to say and he has preserved his word till this present day so that we would know what he has for us, what he has spoken and what he currently is speaking because God never changes. So what he said to one individual in a situation will undoubtedly be the same. He's not going to tell you, well, you know, for this person it was bad to commit sexual immorality, so for those people, but, you know, for you in the present day, it's fine. No, back then... He said, do not defile the marriage bed. And today, that still applies. The will of God for marriage and sexual interaction is the same now as it was then. How do you know the will of God? How do you seek out the things of God? You read your Bible, and you put it into practice. So when it comes to what it looks like in the life of a believer, I firmly believe that it is reflected in how we um, treat one another and um, that desire to actually be with Christian brothers and sisters uh, is one of those things that is apparent in the life of a Christian Uh, someone who is seeking the Lord right whose eyes are fixed on heavenly things if I'm going to spend eternity with people and I know some of them I'm going to want to get to know them And I'm going to want to have a relationship with them here now, not just wait, you know, until after they, you know, when we all get taken away. Mm -hmm. But um, that deep desire for fellowship and discipleship is only seen in the life of someone whose sights are on heaven. Because we do want to please God, right? It is our responsibility in a way. Um, It's what we can do, right? So, yeah. Um, I think that um, when we are saved, we just want to be more in tune with God. So when we get to know him more, um, we start acting like him. You know, like we want to uh, show love to people that we didn't want to love before. Um, we want to, you know, just encourage people, you know, stuff like that, like becoming, 
more like Christ and our personality becoming his personality. I think when we want to know um, what God wants us to, to be like and he wants us to be like him, we'll start embodying those things. Amen. Verse 2, it says, set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. So keeping with, you know, Paul's talking about, like, you know, seek those things which are above. And then he continues uh, with that in verse uh, 2. Okay, one. Obviously, we need to seek God's will. We 100% need to seek God's will. Second, well, his will is guidance, his leading. For for us as believers, the mindset needs to be what he desires, I desire. And not the other way around, which I think is a bit of a problem, can be a problem for some Christians where, and in some cases it can be what they've been taught and other cases, well, I, mean, I, I don't know every case, but some Christians honestly believe that like God, God exists for them. He's like a genie. I mean, they'll justify it with verses like, God will give you the desires of your heart, right? Yeah. Context, context, context. Context is for kings. No, we need to seek God's will. And, you know, we may have desires that are good. Good desires. We may have great desires, but we need to make sure that our desires line up with his will. And now for my second point, and we're going to be jumping into verse 2 here, which I read before, but I'm going to read again from the King James translation, people. Trigger warning. Ah, ah, ah. Hey, man, if it's good enough for the apostles, it's good enough for thee. Well, at least 11 out of the 12. That's fair. But we don't talk about that one. What? No, 12 out of the 12, because we're not, Judas didn't write anything, so that's okay. Um, it says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Now, and I, let me gather my thoughts here so I can say this correctly. Because sometimes my thoughts are going, and I just, it just all comes out. You've probably heard it said that so-and-so is of, like, they're so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. <laughs> just let that sink in. And I wonder, first of all, like, where did this come from? Like, all these sayings that we say in church, and then everyone accepts it, and then starts repeating it. And I was like, uh, where did you get that in the Bible, people? Where in the Bible it says, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. So is so is this so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. I'm going to tell you something. Shaka. Okay, get ready for this one. As a Christian, if you are earthly minded and not heavenly minded in the context of what it's talking about here, you can't be used by God properly. Just let that settle in, marinate that. Let me say it again. And I'm probably not going to say it verbatim because I didn't write it down. <laughs> in the context of this verse and really in the entirety of the New Testament, if you, if your f- thoughts are set on this earth, not meaning that you can't 
be aware of what's going on or you can't like sports or look at the news or have, you know, get married. That's not what we're talking about. But if your focus, if you're seeking things of this earth and you're earthly minded and not heavenly minded, because you heard somebody quote, you're so heavenly minded, you're on earth, earthly good. You can't be properly used by God because you're not seeking the things above. I heard one preacher turn around and said, some Christians are so earthly minded, they're of no heavenly good. Yeah, if you're not heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. And it's and, and there again comes in the be careful what people say. Cause, and I'm not saying that people, maybe you've heard it said, maybe you said it yourself. I'm not saying that you went out and were being a deceiver on, you know, and trying to trick people, you know, you just heard it and you went with it. You know, it's kind of like God helps those who help themselves. And we're not going to dive into that, but we could, we could do a fancy podcast one day on all the things that we've picked up over the years that are just silly. Um, that would be a silly one. No, it says here, set your affections on Things above, not on things of this earth. Why? Because you, your position is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, what does it mean when it talks about affections? Like, and and basically, this is your mind, your desires, and and, and what God is telling us here is to be of the same mind as the Father. Okay, it's continuing that thought from verse 1. To be the same mind, to have the same desires, because we are positioned in Christ. We are positioned in Jesus. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about, let this mind be in you which was in Christ. That means the mind of Christ, we need to have that. So that's why we need to seek things above because we represent Jesus on this earth. We are Christian. That means something. It's not all oh, I'm a Christian because I went to church on Sunday. With the pandemic, that doesn't happen very often. But putting that aside, I think for a lot of Christians in normal day-to-day life, that's what it means. I go to church on Sunday. No. Daily. Why? Because of your position who you are in Jesus. Yep, and I think this builds off of what, uh, I, I believe it was Christ, what Christ was saying in, in the New Testament. He said, store your treasure in heaven, because in heaven, what you store there won't rot away, can't be stolen, won't get lost, and you don't need to maintain it, right? It, what's on earth, you can't take with you so if your whole focus is what's going on here and not enough on what's going on up there either you'll get there and have nothing as paul puts it you come into heaven as though you're coming from a burning building or you're not gonna make it because you had nothing invested there your heart wasn't there which means your heart is not with christ it's about keeping your mind, your heart, and your treasure in heaven. What does it mean to keep your treasure in heaven? Exactly what you were saying, Greg, where your desires are the desires of the, the Father. And, and what you're doing here accomplishes His will. That's what it means to store up treasure in heaven, is to put your value in the, the will of the Father, 
that when you get to heaven at the end times or when you die, which is the end of your time, uh, you're going to be rewarded for the service that you put in. Greg, what you said about um, how some people think that just going to church is um, what they need to do to just get into heaven and everything like that. It just reminded me of that passage that talks about Christians and how they should not be unequally yoked. Right. We're essentially equally yoked with the Father. So, like, if we start, like, leaning towards things of the earth, which are not of him, like, heavenly things are of him, then we're not really being equally yoked with him. Does that make sense? This is going to be one of those let everyone decide things. <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying. No, but let's be real, right? If we put our faith in us going to church on Sunday, like, we're in trouble big mm-hmm. time. How many times have we gone to church and, like, end up with holes in our buckets? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's just how it is. It's like we feel more drained than perhaps when we walked in. Uh, you know, buckets are bad, and that's... Or- or even right now, where we're in some cases, in some places, not even allowed to go to church. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's like, if our faith and our salvation relies on that external force of being able to gather in a church on Sunday, then your faith will be swept away at the next pandemic. Yeah. I would suggest that right now with what, what we're going through, a lot of Christians' faith is already being swept away. Oh, yeah. So forget the next pandemic. It's being swept away now. I, and in wrapping up this podcast, I want to close with this. I really think for us as Christians, we need to do like inventory. Okay. If you work at a company that you got to do inventory once a year, you know how fun that is. Well, even in your own house, you know, you take, you go through, okay, what am I missing? What food am I missing? You know, supplies and that. We need to take inventory, take stock in our faith, okay? Is there anything that we need to get rid of? Something we need to add? We cannot, as believers, and, and, how, and what I discussed about how we need to be of the same mind as the Father, going about to seek His will, to have His desires, we cannot take that of defections and put it towards things of this earth. Okay, and it doesn't matter if it's good things. You can idolize good things. Church, ministries, preachers, sports teams, music, relationships, jobs. You can you can take things that God says are good. Like we know that within the church world, relationships is idolized. And then you put all your focus there. And that can be dangerous. You know, putting your focus on, on, on worldly matters, that things that really in, in, in eternity don't matter. Put your affection on things above. Set your heart on things of Christ. Seek his will. Get in the word. Know who you are. And the deeper in relationship you get with him, then understanding your identity, understanding your position in Christ, you're going to see that you're going to, there's going to be a walk of victory. There'll be a new sense of freedom. There'll be a new sense of joy. There'll be a greater love for Christ. 
And then it won't be as hard to seek those things above. You try to seek those things above and like in your relationship with God isn't very good. If your relationship with God is terrible and you're not putting effort in, forget seeking things above. Your thoughts are always going to be on this earth. On things that really, in the realm of eternity, we would look back and be like, why did I waste my time? So, I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen with my... And, and my excellent panelists of co-hosts, Mickey. Oh, hi. Thank you. Thank Ezra. You me. Always a pleasure. And the little Robino. Thanks we for listening. That, we pray that this has been a blessing. God bless. And, and Merry Christmas. Christmas. And Merry Christmas. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, oh, oh, oh.